how kids are sitting looking at the presents we have. Yeah, <laughs> right. And were they wrapped? Oh yes, we we never we were always careful with the gift wrap. We never tore open presents. And that was later on, you're saying? We're almost, um, not the first year, but within the first two years, I'm sure we had a store going. You had to get a license from the government or a, tra a trade store license. That could be renewed every year. But each mission station had a, a trade, trade store. And that meant? You could sell. Okay, so you'd get items like this. That would come in on the plane, mm -hmm. and so at Ompelai you'd have to carry them to Ompelai. Yeah. Until we'll have to get that in when the airstrip was open. Okay, yeah. But I guess I want to know about this trade store now, so I'm sure I understand. Oh, thank you very much, Amy. You're welcome. That's delicious as usual. Thank you for the muffins. Oh yeah, they were good. We like from Supermom. We like supermoms. <laughs> so at the trade store, you'd have items from China that had been flown in, okay, and they would be items like basins, basins, lanterns, kerosene lanterns, um, knives, small knives, knives of Paring knives, butcher knives, and then with big knives, machetes, hatchets, loincloths, t-shirts, belts, leather belts. They really that really got to be popular. Even if they didn't have a a loincloth, they might have a, lo a leather belt. A leather belt. Mm -hmm. huh. Did I say matches, razor blades, mirrors, soap? Salt, beads, tiny beads, seed beads. Now, the beads were for stringing for decoration. Okay. We used to say have. that they were about a, a pound, a pound. The cost was about a pound, a pound. And some of these women, especially the policemen's wives, had pounds of beads. They'd string. Sign of wealth. Yeah. So a pound, you're saying the English pound. Yeah. For a pound of beads. Um, and this is how you paid your workers. How would the people pay at the trade store? How did that the, barter that go? Time, no, that was cash. What was that, cash? Uh, we started, I must have started fairly soon paying our workers in cash. So that was one source of money. But we bought food with salt. It was quite a while before we started paying money for the food. Yeah. How long do you think before you started a cash payment to the workers? Now, are you talking Om Kali? We're talking Om Kali yeah. here. Mm -hmm. And you went to Om Kali in 1948. I think by 
So the early 50s, we'll say. Is that would be accurate? And the first year's monthly wage was 15 shillings. How many shillings in a pound? 20. Oh. I don't know if we should, should mention the, the wages in the book or not, because as I said, we don't we don't want people to to get the notion that we were exploiting the people. Right. We were not trying to. Just say that was not exploitation. That was the uh, sort of a the government going government's government standards. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we'll handle it carefully. I mean, it's that was it has it's a touchy. touchy it is. Yeah. It is. Like I, I would say I had help in the house, and they they'd say, you know, how much did you pay? Well, I had one of the the boys came to me one time. He was a schoolboy, and I had him working in the kitchen. And then he went to school. He came and he said he thought he was working too hard for what he was getting. He got his board, his room, and he got a, a salary. And, was working too hard and too, he thought he should quit and I said I said that's that's all right Adil, if you want to quit that's uh, your your business but I said let me tell you when I was going to school I didn't get anything for my work except my board and my room and that was true I didn't get any money and uh, he stayed no, I, I hear what you're saying because when I was in Indonesia that happened. Our workers that were our translators revolted and said, we're not getting enough money for translating for you. This is in 1992. I'm serious. And so we Americans kind of stood back. And they are not confrontational, so it was in their eyes that you had to watch this anger going on. And the person who was in charge of the research project said, no, that is the going rate. We agreed when we <clears throat> when we hired you for this amount of weeks, that's what you were going to be paid. And then he explained to us that we can't upset the economy when we go in there with right. our American goods. Right. The, the people are paid at a certain rate, and if you go in there and change that, you're not going to be welcome because you're not helping that's right. what yeah. the situation is. You're upsetting that. Yeah. And that's what we had to learn as we watched it. It's fascinating to watch that. Because as an American, I'd say, well, can't you give them a little more? Sure. You know, I mean, that would be my my take on it, kind of, you know, as an individual. Well, give them 50 cents more. Or I have enough. I can share. Yeah. But you don't do that. Well, no, you have to be very careful. And another thing they warned us about was was making rice Christians of the people, that you give them lots of things. And that's what they called them, wasn't it? In other words, that if they were a Christian, they would receive goods in return. Yeah. That's right. And so when we had churches built, the people had to build them. And we compare notes with other missionaries. I mean, they don't know it always. And I hear them saying how this congregation sent them money to build a church. In New Guinea, you didn't do that. You didn't get anyone to send you money to build a church. And right? this is kind of based on that Kaiser Kaiser's yeah. understanding of being with the people and not upsetting their culture. Yeah. That's right. And he was 
know this. Um, his book has been translated into English, and in the English, the title is "A People Reborn." Some, I think that's the mm -hmm. exact title. How it's made its introduction of Christianity is a new birth. I have the German. Oh, version, do you? But, uh, I've read parts of it, but it's, it takes me a long time to read German. But it wasn't translated into English until recent, fairly recent years. So I don't know if I could. Maybe if I try on the internet this. Yeah. Well, what is that? One million books? Do you know that? Uh, I've never. I've, I, whenever I've tried to look. For a book, they say we're too busy. You know, come back again. So, oh, really? Yeah. So the internet isn't that great. Well, it's great, but uh, you know, you gotta learn. Our kids <laughs> talk about all the things they can find, and I think. I wonder if we should go now back to the birth of. We went through Mary, Tom, Fred, Mark. Yes, now we're at Jenny. If we should go back to Jenny, so we can kind of. Uh, be sure that we're going to cover that. Yeah, and that will link in with our first first furlough. We had been in New Guinea then for uh, uh, almost seven okay, years. Okay, well then I so should have the notes on that. You have that oh, first on. furlough. Yeah. yeah. I want to be sure back, I've got Jenny's birth. But we don't have her birth. No. That was in toward the... Okay. After that summer that we spent Amy and the kids lived with her father in Zal, and I went to Grand Forks, and most weekends I came home, not every weekend. But now, wait a minute, I'm lost. Completely. <laughs> we remember he went to the Wycliffe Translator School. That was the, the year at furlough. Yeah. yeah and then when he was there, I was with my dad again. I had been there before Mary was born, you remember? Yeah. And now I went there before Jenny. I didn't go because I was expecting. I went to stay with Dad. We, I had, thought, we had moved into the greenhouse. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. mixed up about here. Yeah. But we I wanted stayed to, there just a few weeks, I guess. But I wanted to, to be with my family a little bit. I, I see. And you were going to go off to the Institute. Yeah. So, so you went to Zal. Yeah, so my dad, oh, he didn't have a big house, but we had enough room, and, and he, he wanted to grandchildren and I wanted him to know them and I wanted to be with him too and and my sister was around there and my brother was newly married <laughs> he had about four kids I guess already but he wasn't uh, fairly newly married and, and is he was he nearby yes uh -huh. this is Julius now Julian yeah Julian he was nearby Irma was nearby and uh, Willis got married at that in during that time that we stayed uh, in Zal. So it was uh, But I still don't have Jenny married in my notes. Yeah. No. I mean Jenny born, excuse no, me. That well that that comes next. Well because you went home pregnant, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. Now All right, I'm, now I'm with you. I'm okay. pregnant out here in Zal. Okay. <laughs> but then Roland finished he he wasn't quite finished. I think he had two weeks left. Mm -hmm. He came and got us and brought us back to Denver. Because I 
had to start going to the doctor sometime here. So the Summer Institute was in Grand Forks. Okay. So instead of taking her out to the coast, this time you brought her down to Denver. Okay. Yeah. Then we settled in there. We, we were so then you were at the greenhouse. We were in the greenhouse. In Denver. Okay. And uh, Lois or Jenny was born in October. And we li we did we tell you we lived just across the road from Grandpa and Grandma. Right. Um, so where was she born? She was born in Waterloo, Iowa. And the doctor was Dr. Seibert. S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Seibert. And uh, that was... Uh, what well, I'll tell you, I, we to I told the kids that one day I would be going to the hospital to have the baby. And so if they came home from school and I wasn't there, they shouldn't be worried. I was all right. And uh, Grandma would, we'd have Grandma come and stay with them, and she did. She came and stayed with them. And this was on a Friday that I knew I was going into labor. I, and uh, uh, we went to, before, the, before they came home from school, I thought of maybe so this is Mary and Tom no. and Fred? No, no. And, Just and Mark, the four of them. Mary and Tom and Mark. And Fred. Yeah, Mary, Tom, Fred, and Mark. All them. were in school. No. no, Mary and Tom were the only ones That's in what school. I, yeah. Well, Fred was only three years old. Yeah. And Mark was a year and a half. So and they were in school old. in yeah. Denver. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were in school in Denver. So when they came home, uh, we... As I said, I just knew this was the time. So we went before they came home from school so that we didn't have this, you know, goodbye thing. And, and they they had been told, what, and Grandma was, they liked Grandma and knew her too. Mm -hmm. We didn't know her very well. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But, you know, they, they did know their relatives in a way. We tried to always talk about relatives. And... Uh, <coughs> We'd sing happy birthday when it was their birthday to them, We'd, and even though we weren't yet with them. So they had the feeling. Like for grandma and grandpa or whatever. For you know, uncle so-and-so okay. and, -so and yeah. auntie so-and-so. Well, anyway, she was born about 11 at night. I what think. was the date? October 9th. Yeah. yeah, 9th. Mark's birthday is the 5th. 1953. <coughs> She's born at? Allen Memorial Hospital, A-L-L-E-N Memorial Hospital in Waterloo, Iowa. You were going to give me the time. 11 o'clock. 11, about, about 11 o'clock. P.M. P.M. I can't remember the hour yeah. exactly. About 11. And she weighed 9 pounds and, and uh, some ounces. Just oh, my goodness.
my care and her care after that. S-K-U-M-M-E. Gotcha. Another German name. Yeah. And the kids are we're really happy that we had the little girl. They yeah. <laughs> only had little boys. <laughs> sometimes would sit on the side of the bed and hold the baby and bounce up and down to keep her quiet. Mm. <laughs> but she was normally quite a good baby. But Mary was really pitching in to help. Oh yeah, she she did that the, all her life. She well, helped. yeah, she was good. <coughs> so then, when did you go back to We stayed there in Denver until the uh, beginning of May, 54. Because <coughs> you were home in July, right? Yeah. And then we went back to Zoll to spend a few weeks there before starting. We drove out to, uh, um, we, had a, we had a car again. train to Williston. Tom and Mary and I drove, uh, I drove that Plymouth with all our baggage. <laughs> oh, sure, because the car was so small. in bed with me, I guess. But it, it was it was good traveling. I saw many big northern empire buildings. Okay, so then you went back to kind of visit with your dad and say goodbye. And then did you take the train from there out to San Francisco? That's the last time I saw my dad. Oh. He died the next year. What did he die from? You had had children. Burton die when you were in New Guinea, am I right? No, no he had died in the war. 
That's Norbert. Norbert. I'm sorry. I'm Norbert. sorry. Norbert. But somebody died when you were... Darlene, his sister died. Oh, yeah. Oh, Darlene died. Yeah, that was about six months after you were born. Oh, okay. So I didn't know about her. I mean, I think we talked a little bit about Darlene. Darlene... She was. A, she, she had was children. In, yeah, she was in New Guinea. Mrs. Demas, Max yeah. Demas, they were in New Guinea three and a half years, and then she got sick and just didn't get the medicine. And what kind of sickness did she have? She had sprue. Tropical sprue. They were diagnosed it as. So she was in New Guinea. Were you able to visit her at the hospital? Um. Well, no, I guess. She wasn't, it was kind of chronic. She wasn't, oh. she was in the hospital a while. For yeah. observation, she had a, a baby, and after she had Danny, she just never, uh, I say that very carefully because I don't want to. The implication there, yeah. yeah. I said after she had Danny. I just don't know that it had anything to do with her pregnancy. But she did have a, a they found later that she had a sensitivity to heat. And, uh, and that man... took quite a while to, to determine that. Yeah. And she didn't, wasn't well all that time, really. And then she had, a, had some surgery. I won't even... I mean, it was a... It was a And she had three little kids by now. Three little kids, yeah. This was the last pregnancy. And where was she living? When the what city? Andrew, uh, Iowa. Andrew, Iowa. It's near Iowa City. I thought she was in New Guinea. No, they had come back. Oh, okay. They had to leave the mission. When Danny, the was, when Danny was nine months old, they left. Okay. Our story, but he had this dilemma of okay. settling down, you know, with his family. And she was okay. So you're you went back to New Guinea in May. Uh, June. In June. And did you go back by ship or airplane? Ship. Yeah. Out of San Francisco. Yeah, out of San Francisco. Yeah. On the Oran O-R-O-N-S-A-Y. The Orient Line. Yeah, you see that advertised. used to see it advertised. There's all those How long lines. does it take you to go? Uh, about two and a half weeks. Hmm. That time. And now you have five children. Five, our little baby. Yeah. I'm sorry, what's five? We stopped at Honolulu, I guess, and uh, Fiji. Oh yeah, Fiji. Fiji. I don't think we went by or did we go by by Auckland? We must have sure. gone by Auckland. Wellington. We had those pictures. No, it was when we came back. We went through Wellington. 
children's cousins, somebody, some of them had chicken pox and we, I didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> so nine days I think out on the water I found Jenny, Jennifer, Jenny, with and she was the baby. She was the baby and here she was with pox marks. Well, the, the temptation have... was, the others had had chicken pox, the temptation was to just not say anything. Yeah. Know? But were there other baby, other kids on board? A lot of children, a lot of kids. So, oh dear! So I, I had to tell them, and so they put me, they isolated, uh, Jenny and me. And here I had these other kids that had to, I had to wash clothes for them and everything, and feed them. And Mark was just two years old or a little older. Well, he was going on. But the, the doctor insisted on that. I, nobody could stay with Jenny except me or Roland. He could he could relieve me. So there we stayed. And I couldn't get off the ship with the rest of them. He said I would have to go through through a special uh, examination, you know, through a special yeah quarantine process and then what do you think they did they did send me to a, a, a quarantine hospital <laughs> when you got into Australia yeah, we got to Sydney he said you'll be I said but this is this is chicken pox and he said well it's questionable well I said look at her scar smallpox vaccination she had a nice scar he said you could be very unpopular in in Australia he said Anyway, I really, I think I was the last one off the ship. I stood there on the at the on the deck watching everybody go, and so you know they throw all that good fruit away because you can't bring it into the country oh. and all, all this stuff. I watched. Then they came with a with a car and took me out to a, a, a what, what was the name of it? It was Queen Queen Princess Alexandra or something. Some fancy name like that hospital, and how long did you stay? I had to leave the baby there. That was one of the worst traumatic experiences of my whole life. 
How old is she? About six months Nine old? months old, something like that. Well, this Eight is months. eight months old, and she cried, and, and all these, this pediatric ward, all these kids with the IVs and the oxygen, you know, and everything, and it was terrible. But and then I had, then I took a, a bus back to the hotel where they were. And then the next day I got a call, you can come and get your baby. <laughs> we, we had made all sorts of changes. Changed our bookings and all this stuff. And then uh, there was a, the daughter of the, of the one, the liaison again. The daughter said, she went to the, to the air, to the, whoever had made these changes and said, look at, this family has to travel together. You can't separate them like this. And fortunately, she she got that changed. But poor little Jenny, it was awful. <laughs> and when the next day, we we got her back, and and uh, <laughs> I'm sure she doesn't remember it, but I sure but do. But you do, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she wouldn't think she's heard about it. Really terrible. But the other kids saw it too, so. Just because of, and then I, I said, where did we get this chicken pox? I had oh. no idea. Yeah. Nobody told me we had, yeah. had chicken pox. If I had known, I could have been in on my guard a little bit. Yeah. And if I had been on my guard, I maybe wouldn't have taken her out until she was recovered. Yeah. Because our kids had all had chicken pox. But, uh, oh well. Anyway, then later, I think years later, you found out. I found out that the kids said. <laughs> oh, the traumas of traveling with little kids. It's really a big deal. Yeah, really. I don't know. Our, our kids really seemed to take to traveling. They didn't make, they weren't sick. You know, that yeah. was one good thing. Thank goodness. So we've got Jenny born now. And we've got you back in the New Guinea after your first furlough. Mm -hmm. And then you went to Aga. And you stayed there for a few months. months. And then you made the trip with Fred to Onkali to see how things were going. And you were welcomed back with open arms. Mm -hmm. So then you, so then now after a few months, you all moved to Onkali? Right. Okay. In those months, I did a lot of traveling. It was a big area, two, two circuits that I was responsible for. So I suppose I was on the track half the time. So you were away from the family half the time? That, uh, during those few months, I think I was. Because it was such a big area. And there were, yeah, there were a couple of big baptisms in that time. The one at Igidi was oh, that? Was Igidi was that, yeah. How do I spell Igidi? I-G-I-D-I. -I. <laughs> so, when you were aware that there was going to be a big baptism, the nationals who were the evangelists in that, in Igadi, would say, we've got 50? Well, it was, uh, I think it was close to 200. We've got 200 people here who want to be baptized. Then you would go there and you would do the baptizing. But um, you usually had a catechization. You yeah, checked we, on them. Okay. What is a catechization? Uh, questioning and how much they know of the Bible stories, 
and the, and this is all um, they aren't literate it's all like oral it's not not a uh, hard examination but just to see a little bit of what they have observed and you're speaking in the native language well now? Uh, usually I spoke in Pigeon or coffee, and then we, and uh, one of the lo local workers would translate. When I spell kate, should it have an accent over the e? Well, it's so hard to do that. I can do that on the computer. You can. Uh huh. Um, okay. Which way does Where, the accent go? <laughs> Is it left or right? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's Maybe it'll be a left. I think it goes. But we. Um, we don't have it in, in our, what we have is for all, we have A with a rooftop. Can you oh, do that? Okay, A with a rooftop. For all the words. No. Like this. No. Oh. Um, this is the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure it and, is. And then A, so. Uh, we Instead write it of or over? Over. So it's like that. In, uh, when you don't have those characters, then you would write it this way. And that's not a silent E. But if you if you can do that, this yeah. is this is the way we Oh it's K A T T K K A T E. Is the correct way for Kate. Yeah. K A T E. Okay. Instead of the accent over the E. All right. Yeah. Any other way that I should be accenting the words? I don't think of any. Um, when you get usually the pronunciation, the accent is on the first syllable, usually. Oh. It's a fairly, not a universal, uh, without exception, but most of these. Uh, so it looks like Kate. Yeah. Kate, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's that's and then sometimes they spell it K O T T E so that uh, yeah that's but what he I said if I can do the A with the hood with the cover over it then it's more correct K A T E oh uh -huh. that, that from what we use okay. the Wycliffe people don't use any of those marks maybe they do now but with typewriters you didn't have those yeah. extra characters yeah. so we would try to use well, I can put it in. Maybe the maybe the Wycliffe people are doing things like that now too. Well, it might be because yeah, with Word Perfect, they really, you can. They really are uh, computerized. Those people. Uh, oh, I suppose that would be such a big advantage. They um, they are, have been very good at developing uh, solar panels that they can use for for the energy. It, yeah, in bush conditions. Wonderful. So they can use their computers every day. Wonderful. Okay, so we've got, I want to get back to where we are now. The, you check, you do the baptisms, and you do the catechization where you'd be checking. And I said, what language? And you said you'd have the interpreter then speaking in? In the, the people's language. In the people's language. And you would be speaking in Pidgin or Kate mm -hmm. to the um, national who would be there there. Mm -hmm. And then he would ask the person a question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, would you ever go to the baptisms, Amy? 
I never went to the Oxfordian baptisms in the early years. I went to one. That was in before we went on our second furlough. What? What was the baptism like? Well, that's it's a big festival. It's not somewhat can be somewhat compared with their old big the festival. Big festival. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a Christian, it's a Christian yeah. festival. Right. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And they would invite lots of people to uh, neighboring villages, Christian and non-Christian would gather, but mostly the Christian. And what would happen in this ritual? Well, quite often there would also be a new church building that they had worked on and got ready. So the first event would be uh, dedication of the church and uh, a neighboring group would, would bring a cross, a wooden cross that they had made to put on the church. And that was a gift. Yeah. And they, uh, that was a real ceremony with dancing and procession and uh, singing and prayers. And the cross was made of There was dancing and singing and prayers, and that would be in the native tongue. Mm -hmm. And then um, they would take the cross and put the ladder up against the building, and sometimes actually dance up the ladder with the cross. Oh, cool! Yeah. Well, that's cool. They'd go from side to hold the cross and go from side to side like this. Oh! They were really good at drama. Uh-huh. Yeah. Put it up there. And then the but there was lots of food, too, yeah, at this ceremony, too. Yeah. Okay, and what kind of food? Would it be foodies like the pigs again? Yeah, there'd be some pigs. And not lots of them. No, no, not no. Some. But there would be there would be pork and all kinds of... How would they cook the pork this time? Same way. Same way as for the Christmas dinner. And then would there be tables of other kinds of food? Not tables, but piles. Piles. <laughs> okay. This I forget. Yeah. Culture without furniture. Yeah. Well, that but that's important for me to ask yeah. you so that These I people can... they don't live in houses; they live in the village, really. Yeah. You, you really live. They live outside. Yeah. The, the village square is really the living room. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. And then the, the sleeping quarters is the little thatched yeah. area that we would think of as a home. Okay. Yeah. okay. So first there would be the singing and the dancing and the dedication of the church. When would the baptism be? The next day. That would be on Saturday, usually. Okay, and then and you would sleep. eat after that? Yeah. And, and no, not the, fe the feast wouldn't be until after the baptism, though, would it? Yeah, I guess. There, there are some... Okay, yeah, everybody's or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then on Sunday? Was there a Sunday service, I'm assuming? Yeah. No, quite often they would make a, an outdoor worship area because crowds are big. And um, there would be rough benches for the candidates to sit on. And they... This was, isn't something that was required, but it became a custom. Every baptismal candidate would wear a white loincloth, and many of them had white t-shirts, and the women had white.
addresses. Um, Wonder yeah. how birds you dial. You know uh, what I mean? And like, like, uh, like the moos you buy from Hawaii. Um, a yoke a with a with a pole. Yes, and they were clothed compared to the people that were not. This was something that we we never required. That wasn't something you had to have in order to be baptized, but it it became a custom. Oh, interesting! And there the women of the church come in again because the women of the church made hundreds of white dresses and sent them out to the mission. How did they know to do that? Because well, the, the literature was sent out. Okay. This had, uh, the it was German, a real program. The Germans started it, really. The yeah. Germans started these white and dresses. And, and, and loincloths for the men. Yeah. Hmm. And the t-shirts came from Hong Kong or China. But this, I don't know if we should tell this story, but one man was baptized in, in his native garb, and uh, uh, I think he was just trying to see if, if he could oh, be baptized, uh-huh. because I I knew that man had, had gotten a white loincloth, do you remember that, in New Lineville, yeah. and uh, he was just uh, going to see if, if, if that was the requirement, yeah. he was testing the boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, that, you know, that's, uh, that's that why, makes we, sense. why wouldn't they think that, oh, what did they do with the white dress and the white loincloth after they were baptized? Well, they usually put them aside. They didn't have very good, they didn't have cupboards, but they usually had a box or a yeah. chest where they could keep special. special. They put them on when they went to communion. Yeah, when, when, they they had, when there was a communion service, then they dressed in their white. You know, it's, a, it's, it's impressive to see those hundreds of people in white. I bet it's beautiful. Did you ever read Mitchner's uh, The Covenant? No, South I Africa? haven't. Uh-uh. It talks about that, huh? It talks about uh, these were with uh, these were the Dutch people. Mm-hmm. They didn't uh, have. They lived pretty much like pretty primitive in some places, and they didn't have church every Sunday. But once or twice a year, they would have this big gathering. Well, I don't, oh. I don't remember that part, okay. but this here now communion has gotten to be a weekly event. Wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. You mean the, the Dutch nationals would yeah, do that? Yeah, not the, the, the Afrikaners. Yeah, Afrikaners, uh-huh. yeah. That's, yeah, well, yeah. it was that way in the old pioneer days. The, sure. the pastors couldn't, would drive through well, with their horse had and buggy. Um, okay, so there would be the Sunday service. The people would have special benches. Were they on the outside or the inside of the church if there was a church dedicated? Well, if, if there was, if the church was big enough, then it would be in, inside. And they would have benches there? Yeah. Okay, so then where and when were they baptized? Well, there would be uh, hymn singing and prayers and uh, sermon. Then the baptismal liturgy would be 
did you baptize them? Um, well, usually we had we would have a a tub of water near the altar, and then we usually had uh, um, there were a few national pastors, like this one first one we had there at Egerton, Reverend Hahnemann. Assistant who would hold the basin, and um, then pastors actually did the baptizing. Oh, the nationals did the baptizing. No, one there was one national that helped. See there. Okay, so you did the, the baptizing. Be a long line lined up in front of the altar. Uh, Oscar Hahnemann and I and this one national. So there yeah, was three of you. He had been ordained, yeah. He How do I spell Momotigo? M-O-M-O-R-I-G-E. Is that M-O-M-O-R-I-G-E? Oh, that's right. Okay. Or E at the final E instead of I. get it spelled correctly, I mark it so that I know that that's the right one, because I can't keep track of all these words, you know. So well, these are strange names. Yeah. Um, so that that takes um, quite a, a couple hours. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I think. When did you do the catechization? Was that a different trip? Or uh, well, there was some the, the day before. There was some of that, too. But when you would make your rounds on the circuit, that was some of what you were doing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a continuing course. They were they were having these meetings every week. Sometimes they would um, every night they would gather in their in the men's house, for instance, and recite a story and sing the hymns and evening devotions. That, it's really something to hear that in, yeah. when you walk through a village, this, these devotional meetings. Did you get invited into the men's house? Oh, yeah. We, uh, wasn't, uh, they were at Palm Beach. But there weren't any, I never saw any of these secret ceremonies. Yeah, right. But that was considered acceptable for you? And then after that, then there would be the feasting afterwards. Okay. And then in the afternoon, the people would break up and go back to their various. And then they make a big line, and everybody who has been at the baptism oh, shakes hands. Oh, that's immediately after oh, the service. Oh, tell me this. Yeah, they line up. All those that have been baptized line up, and then the hundreds of these people that have been there shake hands. So the the guests, yeah. it's like a receiving line. Yeah. The yeah. guests shake hands with everyone who's been baptized. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It is real, really effective, I think. 
And again, that's not something that you told them to do. This would, this just kind of happened. Yeah, I'm sure these. Uh, Maybe the nationals tell them. Yeah, uh, it's part of their celebration. Uh, A customs. lot of these things the nationals. So then, after they're baptized, what are the expectations that they and you have about a newly baptized person? Well. Keep coming to church every Sunday, which um, wasn't uh, attendance wasn't that great. Yeah, uh, there's always a falling off. Sure. There's a you, you build up to this uh, peak and you can't stay at the peak. Yeah, but uh, and uh, hopefully uh, less fighting and stealing. Quite a bit of stealing on the number. Oh, sure. So, in other words, they're obeying the Ten Commandments. Now. Yeah, well, that's. So, right. how shall we say if the woman. Monogamous? never were that strict. We said they could keep one. We never said which one it was. And um, and usually there was there were wives that were discarded. Mm -hmm. There were men available for them. So they weren't, like they tell in some of these cultures, if a woman was sent away, it was like a death sentence. Oh. Um, in some cultures. And you were baptizing men and women. Oh, yeah. Only one wife would go to each man. I won't say that we never, never baptized a bigamist. Sure. It, it probably happened. But. I'm just trying to think of what else would be of interest to the writer. Could it be that? And another, oh yes, another thing, try to get their, if they have children, have them in school. Oh. Because after the church went up, then the school went up? Yeah, or even before there was probably a school. Yeah. Quite often, oh, the, quite often there was a school even before a church building. Well, who was teaching? What well, were they teaching? Uh, we had these trained village school teachers. They, um, From the nationals? Yeah. Men or women? They, they used the Kote textbooks in the early years. We never we didn't have uh, the first. We got our first teacher in '49, I guess. Sonia, did you come in '49? Yeah, he, he wasn't really. A, he hadn't gone through the training course, but he, he tried to teach to uh, reading. And, and so they and when they went to school, they were learning to read. And learning math, I'm yeah. assuming. Mm -hmm. Numbers. And yeah. And uh, their, uh, the reading books had some really nice stories, and um, not too many of them got to those readers, but I know I was surprised to find that there was a story of George Washington in a cherry tree. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> 
schools in Cote to have enough literature produced. Yeah. Who's going to produce all this literature? Well, there was some in Cote, but when they were requiring that you go to English, there weren't any English textbooks, really. So what's the sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we when did, did that happen, that they required you teach in English? Um, in the late 50s. But it must have been about 57, because in 59 or 58, that's when the first short, uh, yeah, short-term English teachers were sent out from this country, and that's when the Australian government started their crash teacher training courses. Yeah. So that was really a dilemma. Here you had kind of a system going, and now yeah. somebody's saying, "Oh no, we're telling you what to do." Uh -huh. That sounds so right on. <laughs> Bureaucracy is always pretty bad. Yeah. Well, they, it was a dilemma for them, too. They were trying to provide education for the whole country. And, uh, there were all and they got Kate here and yeah, Pia here yeah. and, and something uh, else here. over there. And yeah. So, um, and that, they thought this solution was the best. Yeah. But now, experts are saying that it's not the right way to do it. To, you know, just start English from the word go, and they don't know one word of English. And they were even some some of these schools. Children were disciplined if they would speak on the playground would speak in. was being watched rather carefully. They were I see. So you had to be careful with all this stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and they demanded that there be progress. That's, there be that progress. was a way you would... Oh, that was the standard they were saying. If you're going to be here, you have to do this. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, that's all we know as human beings. So yeah. that's what we In do. hindsight, you can... Now, now they are changing and they are using pigeoning quite a bit mm -hmm. in the lower grades. It's not, it's not healthy to be instructed in a language that you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you learned a little bit, then you can start a foreign language. Like learn to read in some other yeah. language. Mm -hmm. But you would be surprised at what good English teachers there are mm -hmm. in New Guinea. We had a, a, a man that was a, a baby when we went to Onkali, and he had some bitter experiences. He was in the army, he was an alcoholic and all this, and he finally settled down and came here to the seminary. And he, he uses... He master's degree now. Oh, that must be exciting for you to see that. And he writes such good English letters and uh, speaks yeah. good English. Yeah. It was his ticket <laughs> for progress. It, it must have been. He did. He did real well. There were a few that the teachers said they they are uh, they are a natural. Ah, uh, but not, not all of them. Sure. <laughs> I wonder if we should get back now to we've got Jenny born. Who's next in line? 
need to. <laughs> and so, and you're back at Omkali now. We're at Omkali, and uh, we have the airstrip. Oh, let's talk about the airstrip. We didn't have the airstrip when he was born. Okay, well after we'll do after he was born. Yeah, right at that time. He okay, was, tell him about. Uh, We've been walking for eight years back and forth if we ever went. <laughs> And the distance was 20 miles. 20, 20 miles. Well, there, there was this proposed airstrip that was on a slope about like that. And um, what shall I say? 20 degrees? Um, 10 degrees? No, what was it? Yeah, 12, 12, 12 degrees. degrees one in 12. For a long time, they had said that's too steep. But then the mission got a high-performance Super Cub plane, oh. um, one engine, one pilot, and one passenger. That was about 400 pounds of uh, cargo that we carried, and that could land on a very short strip. So uh, this, the pilot, there was a strip across the river. Catholics had built up. We landed there and then rode the motorbike across the gorge over to Omkali. We said that was the most harrowing part of this whole trip, riding the motorbike. We looked at the at the strip and we said, well, that was the land there. So then we, we went back. Who cleared it for you? How did you get We uh, You had it all cleared. Crew. Yeah, it had been, um, it was a grassy slope. It hadn't, I'm sure in years previously, it had been a garden. But for when we came there, it was cleared already. Okay. Yeah, um, but it was kind of rough. And we tried smoothing it out a little bit. But How do you smooth it out? With shovels and tried to make a roller out of a log. And so, but uh, anyway, he said he thought it back, took off and landed there. And when did that happen? It must, uh, in, must have been July 56. He opened it in August, though, and it wasn't open when Sammy was born. I went out from Deeremont. Oh, did and he come? Sammy was born on the 27th of August. 28th. Twenty, no, he was, yeah, 28th of August. So did he... Well, you were in the hospital, is that when he came? No, he came and he did that when I went out. I went out to the hospital and he cleared that airstrip. It all happened in, because uh, the next week he made a trip into Omkali and then... Yeah, and Freddie was the first passenger to land there. Oh, was he really? Yeah, he was the first one. So this, it had to be August, the year that Sam was born. I know that. Okay, so tell me about Sam being born. Well, <laughs> when Sam, I took Fred with me. I had correspondence lessons for Fred, you see, at home. So I took him with me to the hospital. And, and the uh, hospital is in? Yadown. It, it was kind of a, a family situation, you know, when you went to the hospital. Sometimes you had to bring your kids along. Yeah. So uh, that's why you go. 
about six miles. But there's a river between there that Y A G A U L. out to Yagam? I flew to Medang and then I went by car up to, to Yagam. Okay, so you had to walk the 20 miles to Kerouac? No, no, I didn't. I, had, I, got, I went across with Sam. I was able to just go across the river. The Catholics had an airport on the other side of the river. And this is the Wagi River? No, this is the Marel, M-A-R-E-L. Okay, i got to keep up with you. <laughs> So you got across the Morel River, and, and how did you get across? Was there a bridge? Yeah, yes, there was a bridge. And I I think I walked most of that way. Because the Catholic mission at? Dirima. D-I-R-I-M-A. Okay. Had an airstrip. Mm -hmm. I, we might have had that cart along, too, you know, but... Uh, I don't remember. I can't remember if I walked or I didn't. Anyway, I got across, and the plane was there, and I went out to Medang from there. So it wasn't any very much of a trip at all. Two hours. With Fred. With Fred. Fred okay. and I went, and that left Mark and Jenny at home with Roland. Mark, Jenny was almost, was almost full.